So I hope you guys all had an amazing Thanksgiving holiday. Um, we, we enjoyed it. I, I had no work for a few days. And so in that no work, what I do is I think about work. I don't know about you, but that's what I do. So I sat around, I started thinking. This will make more sense as we keep going. But I started around, I started thinking. And as I was thinking, I was wondering, like, what, what do people think about you? Like, when they think about you or when they think about me, like, what comes to mind for them? I mean, besides, like, the obvious, like, bald. Like, that's probably what people, not for you, but for me, like, that's probably what they would say. They probably think bald. They probably think glasses. Your beard that's not one color. It's got multicolors going on. And then for you, they may think blonde or brunette or young or not so young anymore. Like, whatever, you know, but somewhere that, but what if they, what if they start thinking about the, the negative parts of who you are? We don't like to think that very much, but, like, what would they say about you? They might say you're a type A personality. They might say you're shy. They might say you're competitive. They might say you're intense. They might say, but you know one thing that none of us want to be said? Because all of that, we, we, I think all of us, we would kind of go, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, I am kind of that, you know, whatever that is. But not one single person would want it to be said that we're ungrateful. Isn't that true? No, I've met with so many people through the years in the pastor's office, right? I've never had a person, not one time, have I had the person sit down in my office and go, you know, pastor, my problem is I'm ungrateful. If I was just a little more grateful, it'd probably solve a lot of my relational conflict that I, I'm just the most ungrateful person I know. No one says that, just so you know. No one in the world will point the finger and say, he's ungrateful, she's ungrateful, all those people are ungrateful, but we don't want to look in the mirror and say, this person's ungrateful, do we? Today's sermon, guys, today's one of those messages as we dive in, we start to look at real thanksgiving. I really think this is one of those messages that has the ability to impact your life in a deep and meaningful way. Again, welcome to Woodside Romeo. I am Billy Creech. I'm your campus pastor. Thanksgiving, guys, I'm going to tell you, I just went off the reservation for Thanksgiving. I went for it. Those of you who have been coming for a season, you know for a few months now, there's been no sugar in my life. Like, I cut the sugar out. I cut the carbs out. I went crazy on Thanksgiving. I ate all the potatoes and the stuffing and the pie, multiple pieces of pie. I ate it all, and I enjoyed it, and it was carb over. I still kind of have a headache. I'm telling the truth right now. Like, I'm hurting a little bit this morning, because Friday I had to say, like, nope, back to discipline. You know, I got it to do, and anyway, I'm just oversharing right now. Take your Bibles. Open up to Matthew 20. We got to go to the Word of God today before I say too much. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. We are talking about real thanksgiving and gratitude today is what we're talking about, and that brings us to our big idea. Our big idea is that gratitude is recognizing God's blessing and responding with praise. Recognizing God's blessing and responding with praise. So in Matthew chapter 20, let me set the scene because Matthew chapter 20 is right in the middle of the action. Like where we start, we're going to start chapter 20 verse 1. Like it is full speed into the action at that point. Here's what's going on. The rich young ruler went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Like, what do I have to do, Jesus, to get rewards? That's what he wanted to know. And Jesus said, well, and because the guy jumps in, he says, I, I've obeyed all the laws. Like, I've done everything. I've been a good boy. Jesus, what do I need to do? Jesus says, sell all your possessions, get to the poor, come and follow me. And the man left sad that day, didn't he? 
Peter, though. Peter was quick to jump in. Peter's like, well, Jesus, actually, we're pretty awesome. We're not like, we're not like those rich guys over there. We're just a bunch of poor disciples. Here's what he said. Chapter 19, verse 27, he says, see, this is Peter talking, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Right? So that's what Peter wanted to know. Jesus, we're not like that guy looking for reward. We left all of our, so because we've left everything, Jesus, what are you going to give us? Like, what kind of reward are we going to get? And in that space, that's where Jesus starts to press in and starts to teach. And he says something that is so not what they were expecting. Jesus says, you know, there's times where the first is going to be last. And the last is going to be first. And he wasn't talking about waiting in line for the piece of pumpkin pie. Like, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about something deeper. And then Jesus teaches this story. In Matthew 20, he tells this story. And at the very end of the story, we're going to get to it, Matthew 20, 16, he again says, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And essentially what he's doing by bookending the story with this statement He's saying, I want to draw your attention to what true thanksgiving, what true gratitude really looks like. And here's the story Jesus tells. Matthew 20, starting in verse 1. Matthew writes this. Jesus is speaking. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, and let me just pause right there because we're going to keep going. I want you to pause a few times. There are things you should be bookmarking in your mind as we read this. This is the first, that this master of the house who owned these vineyards, he went out looking for help to hire, and as he does, he finds this group of men standing around, and he says, here's the amount we're going to agree to, right? There's the amount. They're all in agreement. This is the amount we're going to pay. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into the vineyard, verse 3, and going out about the third hour, so there's been three hours past now, going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, this is important, there's not an amount greed on, he just says, whatever's right, I will give you, so they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. So now the day is more than halfway gone. Going out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. About the eleventh hour, just one day of work left. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. He said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? Verse 7, they said to him, because no one's hired us. So he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. And he said to his hired, and now when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more, but each of them received a denarius. So again, the big idea of gratitude is recognizing God's blessing and responding with praise. The first step in doing this is you have to stop comparing yourself to others. Church, you got to stop comparing yourself to others. Here's the history of what's going on. In the first century, a lot like today, actually, in the first century, what would happen is day laborers would go and they would kind of congregate at a point. And they were waiting for someone to come and say, I want to hire you to work for today. And that's what happened. The master came and he said, I want to hire you to work and here's how much I'm going to pay you. It's a 
fair living wage. I'm going to give you this wage. This is very common in today's culture. I'm going to give you this money. They said, yep, sounds good to us. We're going to work all day long. That's how much money we're going to make. And a few hours later, he goes to another group. Sees this other group standing around and says, hey, I want to hire you to go work in the field, so go ahead and get to work. And what's funny here, they never agreed on a rate. Some of you have done that. Some of you have done a job, and you never agreed on how much they were going to pay you. You just kind of said to them, well, I'm just going to trust you to do what's right. Some of you, you're like, yeah, I did that once. I'll never do it again. Right? I'm not going to do that. Right? In fact, I want a physical contract. I want to see it on paper so we're all in agreement. But anyway, there was like nothing here. Like there was no agreement on a rate. It was just like, trust me to do what's right. Half the day had gone. And then 11 of the 12 hours was up. Finally, that last group went. And they're the ones that when it came payday, when it came time to collect your pay at the end of the day, the group who hadn't even broken a sweat. Like, y'all, they didn't have all the stink going on. Their hair's still fine. They still smell like Irish Spring. They line up, right? And they received that day 12 times what they ever expected to receive. They were like, we thought we were going to order dinner off the dollar menu at McDonald's, and we're getting steak. Like, it's a good day. It is such a good day. And then it kept going. Now, you can just imagine the people at the back of the line, they got excited, why they get excited? They knew how much they were. Well, they got excited because they started to compare themselves to others. They started to compare themselves to others, thinking we work 12 hours to their one. We're probably going to get paid 12 times as much. Now, church, you've heard of a win-win scenario. This is going to happen. You're going to win. I'm going to win. Everybody's happy. Anytime you start to compare your life to other people, it will always be a lose-lose scenario. Not only do you look at them and not celebrate what's happening in their life, you're going to look in the mirror and not celebrate what's happening in yours. Let me give you an example. Let's say you go to work for a company. You negotiate, you work back and forth to get the right rate. And you're like, man, that salary is solid. Like, you're pumped. That's a good salary. I'm happy about that salary. And you go to work for the company. And it's a great company to work for. And at the end of a year, they look at you and they say, I'm going to acknowledge that you've worked hard. I'm going to give you a raise. You're like, yeah, yeah, buddy, you know, I'm doing good. And, and they do that for five years. They keep giving you a raise. They keep acknowledging your hard work. And unless after five years, they say, we want to make you a manager. That's right. You're going to oversee people. So we're going to give you a title now. We're going to give you another pay rate. You're feeling good, right? You love working for this company. Life is great. And then let's say, for whatever reason, you end up in the payroll office. And when you're in the payroll office, you see a little sheet on that desk. And when you start going down, you realize that everyone working for you, you're the manager, everyone working for you is making more money than you're making. <laughs> yeah, some of you will go, huh. How many of you would be upset with that scenario? Raise your hands. Half. So the other half, you've either already dealt with this issue that we're talking about today, or you're fibbing to your pastor in church. <laughs> Guys, you shouldn't lie to your pastor in church. You shouldn't do that. Right? Now, this is hard to admit. Right? This is, we don't like admitting this. We don't like admitting that we're looking at other people as our guide for the success in our lives, do we? We don't like admitting that what I'm doing is I'm looking at other people and I'm using them as a reference point. I'm not using the Lord as a reference point. I'm using other people and I get a little bit envious. We don't like to admit that. 
Now, for about six and a half years before Woodside, I was a pastor on the west side of the state in Portage, which is connected to Kalamazoo. And um, the lot right next to our house, it, I would say it was empty, but it really wasn't empty because then the real neighbors on the other side of that next to the empty lot, they purchased the lot to put fruit trees on and these planter boxes and their bees. And so this lot was beautiful. Like it was just stunning. Absolutely beautiful. Loved this lot. But then they sold their house and they're like, we want to make some more money. So we're going to, we're going to sell that lot to build a house. So they put the for sale sign, and we forgot all about the for sale sign, you know, because it just sat there, like no one wanted to buy this thing and build an already existing neighborhood. So this lot was ignored, and we just drive by it day after day, and then one day we're driving in, and it says sold, and there's people walking all over the property, and there's flags sticking everywhere, and there's stakes all over the place, and there's this orange spray, you guys know the orange spray paint? Yeah, orange spray paint. All, there was orange spray paint in my yard. Like, I don't, what are you spray painting up my yard for? Like, that's, why, why are you doing that? And so we went to the garage, we put the garage door down, started to put our stuff away. That's when the doorbell rang. And I went and I answered the door, and there's a guy saying, hey, so I think I'm your new neighbor. This is the worst introduction ever. This is my wife, this is my real estate agent, and your retaining wall is on my property. Yeah. Now, I said, I don't think that's possible. I didn't put the retaining wall there. The original builder did. I'm only the third owner. The original builder who built this whole neighborhood put the retaining wall there. So there must be a mistake. Church, there was no mistake. We had the surveyors come out and put the, put the reference points where they're supposed to be. And sure enough, it was like that much of my wall was where his house was going to be. And so I had to, I had to have that wall move back where it's supposed to go. I mention that because um, I think sometimes when we look at the reference points in our lives, we use people. We use people to determine where we should be, where our success is, where our failures are. When all along as followers of Jesus, we should be using him as our reference and him alone. Church, we have to stop comparing ourselves to others. And when you do that, when you stop the process of comparing yourself to others, you can move to point two, which is to recognize your own entitlement mindset. Look back at verse 11 again. Verse 11, so you have this line of guys, the very last group, they're the group that had worked all day long, right? They saw the group at the front get this full pay, full day's pay, they're waiting. They get exactly what they had agreed to, verse 11. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. These men who work for 12 hours are upset, and let's be real, we kind of get it, don't we? We understand because we want what's just. If you work, if you work 12 times more than someone else, you should receive that kind of a pay, right? I mean, at least me. Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's where all of a sudden this week, this passage reached up and started to smack me around in the head. Like, I'm just going to tell you, this is where it hit me. I, um, I love stories like the Good Samaritan because I feel great about myself right? And maybe I'm, again, maybe I'm oversharing way too much this morning. But I do, like, I feel good because I'm like, I help people I don't know, you know? So I'm living the life that Jesus has called me to. I'm feeling like, man, I'm nailing it. I'm doing good. And yet I read this. And you know what I get whenever I read this? I am lined up with the bad guys in this one. Let me say that again. I'm lined up with the ones that Jesus is saying, don't do this. 
whether it's the rich young ruler or whether it's Peter or whether it's the worker saying, hey, I've worked for 12 hours. I just want what's right. That's called entitlement. And Jesus is preaching against that. They were both focused. Peter, the context of this is so clear. It's the rich young ruler and it's Peter. The first and last has nothing to do with turkey sandwiches. It has everything to do with Jesus preaching about entitlement. So what would you say is the opposite of gratitude? The opposite of Thanksgiving. What would be the opposite of Thanksgiving? Well, I started thinking about that. And I'm like, for years I would have said, I think grumping, grumbling, being critical, complaining. I think that would be the opposite of Thanksgiving. But after reading this, my answer would be different. I think entitlement is the opposite of Thanksgiving. Entitlement is the opposite of gratitude. And yet, church entitlement seeps into our culture so quickly, doesn't it? Entitlement just eases its way in. Just imagine tonight, you're going to order dinner. And let's say you're like, we are not like Pastor Billy. We don't care about the carbs. In fact, we're going to order extra gluten with our pizza tonight. That's what we're going to do. We're going to ask them, add some extra gluten. And so let's, let's order some pizza. And let's say you pull out your phone to get your pizza app to order. And all of a sudden, your pizza app's not on there, so you have to download it. If it takes more than 10 seconds, you start to get mad. Why? Because I want what I want, and I want it right now. And I deserve it because I work hard. And that's where we start to say things even in the church, like I've been loyal at my job, so why didn't, Lord, why didn't I get that promotion? It's when we say I've kept myself pure, why don't I have that spouse yet? I've been tithing at the church, I've been given 10%, why would I ever struggle financially? Church, it's about perspective for us. We have to regain some perspective as Christians in America. Can I be clear about something? We are some of the most blessed people on this entire planet. But we need to remind ourselves of that. You got into your car this morning. Oh, my goodness, we could go on and on about that, right? We got into our cars, and we came to this parking lot. You didn't have to pass any checkpoints with people with automatic weapons so we could get here, did we? We just drove right here. And we pull up in our parking lot, and we come in, we sit down. I've not noticed any of you looking over your shoulder continually to see, has anyone going to come and shut this thing down this morning? We have so much free. And as Christians... The Holy Spirit of God indwells us. Are you kidding me? The same power that raised Jesus from the grave takes up residence in our life. When you become a Christian, he gives you, he gives you spiritual gifts. It doesn't mean it's a skill that you're good at. It means the power of God works in and through you to continue to build this body closer together, bringing unity within the body, building the body. Isn't that amazing? We are some of the most blessed people on the planet yet We have to fight, and maybe I'm just preaching to myself right now, but we have to fight and push back anything that even sniffs like entitlement. We got to push it back. And when you do, you finally get to point number three, which is we get to this place where we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate God's blessings, not only to ourselves, but to others. So let's finish this up in verse 13 through 16. It says, but he replied to one of them, so they're upset right? They're there. They're complaining. They're upset. I, I've got this one Daenerys. I understand it's what I agreed to, but they got the same pay. And here's what happens, verse 13. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a Daenerys? 
Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Verse number 16. This is where Jesus finishes the story and he repeats, so the last will be first and the first last. Do you begrudge my generosity? The answer is for us, we would say, yeah, actually I do. I really do. I begrudge your generosity. Like if we're being honest, we don't like saying that because we don't want to be selfish people, right? We don't want to be people who are ungrateful. And yet we would say, yeah, but I do. I begrudge, I begrudge unreasonable generosity. That's what we begrudge. We are all for it. Lord, be generous with me, right? Lord, give me a pay raise. I'm all for it. Don't, don't bring your righteous right hand. I want to ignore your righteous right hand. But when it comes to good, I am, I am so in for why don't you bless me? Bring me the, I'm all for bless my neighbor. Just don't bless my neighbor more than you bless me. Isn't that true? Isn't it? That's what the problem was right here. You can bless that person, just don't bless them more than me. You can, their kids can be great athletes, just not better athletes than my kids. Right? I, I don't want that. You know, I, I want the people who work with me. I want them to do well. I just want to do just that much better. That's the pattern we fall into. And that's where Jesus says the last is going to be first. The first is going to be last. Church, when our reaction to other people's blessing is to question whether or not they deserve it more than us, it becomes impossible not only to celebrate their blessing, it becomes impossible to celebrate our own. Does that make sense? Let me say that again. When, when you come to that place in life where you're looking at other people and you're questioning, God, did they deserve the blessing that you put on them? Not only are you going to find it where you're unable to celebrate what God's doing in their life, you will find that you can't celebrate what God has done in your life. Church, we have to take that and we have to dump it literally on his head. We got to turn that upside down. So my encouragement to you is instead of saying, God, why do they get? Why are they doing this? Why do they have kids that are, why God, why this? Why, why don't you just turn it around, look in the mirror and say, God, why me? And here's what I mean by why me. God, I didn't necessarily grow up in the um, easiest of homes, but why did you allow me to be born in a nation where I had so much freedom the gospel. I didn't deserve that. God, why me? God, why do I get the opportunity to spend 25 years of marriage with a woman who shows me so much grace when I don't deserve? Why, why me, Lord? Why do I get that? God, why do I get the opportunity to be pastor of this church when I certainly haven't deserved it? I, I haven't earned it. I haven't done anything that says I, I should be here and the other guy shouldn't. Why, why me? You know, so many churches in America, they're declining, they're, they're dying, they're having struggles. Man, that's, that's not Romeo. It's not Woodside Romeo. We are part of something exciting and vibrant and beautiful. Why, why us? Lord, my boys, why, why me? You know, why, why did I get to have so much blessing with two healthy boys? Why, why me? Instead of pointing and always saying, Lord, why do they get and I don't? Why don't we start by saying, why me? Why? Because he has showered us with so much blessing. I've told you guys before, like, I'm not good at music. Um, 
at all. If you're new with us, here's something you need to know. I got kicked out of, not really kicked out. I was told that I can't sign up for middle school band the next year. That's what I was told. Billy, you're so bad at middle school band. You can't take middle school band next year. And the worst part, this was a small country school, small, they played eight-man football, kind of small, small country school in Oklahoma. Their band was bad. But I was so bad, they wouldn't let me be in their band, right? That's how bad I was. And this weather reminds me of marching season, like marching in parades and stuff. And I played baritone until it came marching season. They took my baritone away, and I got a little triangle, and I would have to march at the back. <laughs> I was that guy. And I would go, ding, 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 ding. Like, that's all I got to do. And I wasn't even a percussion guy, but that's, that's the job I had. I was, by the way... If you are not signed up for the choir, uh, just a quick segue. If you're not signed we have like more than 40 people signed up for the choir. We don't do choir very often. This is like not something that's normal for Woodside Romeo. But for Christmas Eve, there's four services, y'all. I want to get like 10 or 20 more. Can you imagine 60 people up here? This is going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be so good. And what I want you to do, following the service, we'll pull out a sheet of paper just to write your name on. I told Kip signups are done, but I want to do it one more time. So in case you did not get to sign up, I want you to have one more chance to sign up. Back to my story. I was bad at band. Bad. Like, you cannot sign up level of bad. Um, but I love music. Like, seriously. Like, I love, you can ask Amy. Like, I love it. Like, Gabe asked me this summer on the way to Oklahoma, Dad, can I play the ukulele all the way to Oklahoma? And I'm like, yes, you can. Like, this is great. He's like, if I don't know how to play, I'm going to be learning. Sounds wonderful. Let's do it. And then from Oklahoma to here, Dad, I have this mandolin. Can I play that and learn to play that? Yes. This is, I love music. I'm just really bad at it, right? But I love it. And uh, so Grandma had this piano. And I would always, they didn't like me playing it, but I like to play it like I like the piano. Anyone take piano lessons growing up? Okay, when you took piano lessons, do you remember, there's like pedals down there. And so there's a left pedal. If I hit a middle C and I hit the left pedal, what does it do? Yeah, it dampens it. Thank you for that word. It dampens it. It silences that music. It just, it just softens it. I hated the left pedal. Didn't like that at all, right? I like the right pedal. Because if I hit the middle C and I have my foot on that right pedal, what does it do? It extends it. It amplifies it. That sound just continues to reverberate around the room. That's what our gratitude and thanksgiving does. Church, our gratitude and our thanksgiving says, Lord, I see the blessings you have on my life, and I want to hit that right pedal, and I want it just to continue to echo and reverberate around this room, and I want to keep hearing and reminding myself of the blessings, and I want everyone around me to continue to see and to hear, because Jesus is the one I'm basing my entire life over, not anything that anyone else is doing, but Jesus is the cornerstone of my life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Church, that's what we're supposed to be doing, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is that topic that for some of you right now, if you don't get a hold of what it means to have a life of thanksgiving and gratitude, that relationship that you're in is going to end. It is not going to make it. Because you've been living with this entitled, self-absorbed life, and it's not the life that we're called to. This truly can change everything in your life. It's going to change your self-image and your self-worth and your value because when you look in the mirror, you're not going to be comparing yourself to anyone else in this world. You're going to be looking to Christ and Christ alone. 
Now, as a church, we try to set this example for you, don't we? We, we try in a lot of ways to set the example. At Simpson Park this summer, many of you will remember this, we gave out a couple of awards that we called Smooth Stone Awards. And essentially what we wanted to do is we just wanted to say we want to recognize a couple of you for the blessing that you've been to this church, and we want to hit that right pedal and allow it just to reverberate around the room, right? We want to hold this out, the blessings that we've seen uh, in and through you for years. We just want to continue to echo that in this place. Be ready for Smooth Stone Awards to return, by the way. Here in a few weeks, you're going to see a return of it. Last week, we brought CT and Meg up. Do you remember that? Brought CT and Meg up. We prayed over them. And during that prayer time, it was so important for us as a church because we want to acknowledge, here's the entitlement says, why do they get to go? That, that's what entitlement says. Why, why do they get to go? Why doesn't the Lord send me to Zimbabwe or Malawi or Lapeer or someplace exotic? You know what? <laughs> Wherever, right? Why do, they, why, do, why do they get to go? Why not? Why not me? That's what happens with our hearts when we start to compare ourselves to others. But as a church, I was so proud of the way we responded because the way we responded is to say, yes, Lord, I see the way. And, and CT, Meg, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness here. Thank you for the way that you blessed our families. Thank you for the way that you preached and blessed us. Thank you so much. And it was hitting that right pedal again. That's what it was doing. It was just holding out that place of blessing and praise for us. I, I just want us to do it again today. In the second service, um, we brought one family up. There's actually two families. Two families that said, we recognize what the Lord is doing in CT and Meg, and actually we're caught up in this, and we want to go with them as missionaries to Lapeer. This is our home. This is where our family is. This is where our friends are. This is the place that we've been invested in so many ways, but for a year, for a year I want to go. For a year, I want to go and, and do a hard work. And in that place, it's appropriate and good for us as a church to remember to stop and to celebrate the blessings of God in people's lives. So at this time, I want to bring the King family up to join me. The King family, all the King family. I love how they look at each other like, does that just mean us or does that mean you guys as well? We're missing some of the King family. Not all the King family. Yeah, Eddie. Uh, Eddie. Sick, so he's he's Eddie sick. Ran. Beautiful. Well, the King family, you guys probably recognize the King family. Um, they've been so faithful for, for, for so long and continued to do so. Fred, you've seen um, just over here just getting it on, on the base, right? Rochelle, you'll see down working with the kids, the kids you see serving all over the place, whether it's flip camp or Sunday mornings or anytime anything is needed. Uh, King family, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the way that you love well. Thank you for the way that you serve well. And um, I just want us as a church to pray a prayer of commissioning over you as you're preparing for this journey. It's going to be an exciting journey. It's going to be, it's going to be hard, right? And I think sometimes like we, we romanticize a little bit um, different things in life, like I'm going to go do mission work. Uh, mission work is hard. If you don't know this, they have two services at Lapeer. One service they don't have children's ministry at because they have no workers. Think about that. Like we just kind of get used to three services or four services or what, and we always have so many volunteers. And yeah, that's the field you're walking into that the Lord has called you to. And I have no doubt that the Lord is going to use you to stir in that congregation and um, start a great work. It's Nehemiah standing on the wall saying, I cannot come down because I'm carrying on a great 
work. He is going to continue to do a great work through you. Church, can we just pray over this family? And before we do, before we pray over the family, I want you wrestling with this question. Where's he calling you out when it comes to a heart of thanksgiving? When it comes to a heart of gratitude, where's he calling you out? Because I'm going to tell you, he whooped up on me this week. Um, it's a hard message to preach. It's a hard message to preach because I think oftentimes in my own life, I want to make excuses and say, but I'm just a competitive person. It's just how I am. And that's why I keep comparing myself to everyone else. And yet the reality is, no, my satisfaction should be in Christ and Christ alone. He is the one I'm supposed to look to. Church, where are you? Where are you in that journey? How are you doing with celebrating in the lives of those around you? when the Lord works, or is it this constant place of envy and dissatisfaction? Lord, we thank you for today. I thank you for the King family. Lord, I thank you for their example of faithfulness. We commission them as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that as they go, they are going as your hands and feet. They're going as an extension of us. Lord, I pray that you continue to do a great work in and through them. Continue to give them eyes to see. Continue to give them soft hearts and open ears. Let them be your hands and your feet. Let them have the mind of Christ as they go. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to worship and praise you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, I want to invite you to stand as we sing this morning.